This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And if you do study the word, you know that it's impossible for man to actually come up with this wisdom and knowledge and at the same time be in harmony with all the books in the Bible. So the book of James was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So James was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter. When you put it in human terms, The Bible is quite an achievement of literature. To unify writings from 40 authors across a millennia of history and tell a coherent narrative is an amazing feat. Pastor Eddie reminds you today that this book was not fully written by humans, but instead was inspired by God. If you ever struggle with trusting Scripture, you can remember that the Holy Spirit is the source of the wisdom found inside. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 1. As he begins his message, Introduction to the Book of James. We begin a new journey with the Book of James, the Book of James. Let us go before the Lord in prayer as we begin this journey of the book of James. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word never returns back to you void. It never does. We may never see what it does. We may never see the effects of it in other people's lives. We see it in our lives. But Lord, it's amazing the things we don't see. But we know that your Holy Spirit is working, even in these last days, Lord, And Lord, it is by your word. You said you put your word above your name, Lord. So your word is so important. It's so sacred to us, Lord. And we know that there is so much information in the world. And we know it's a lot that cannot be trusted at all. Whether it's in the TV or in the radio or podcast or social media or the news, Nothing can be trusted, but one thing that we know for sure that we can trust is your word. We don't take bread from man, we take bread from the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit. And so we ask your Holy Spirit to be with us. Lord, we're about to begin this journey here. I pray that we have a good understanding of the reason why this letter was written and what the theme is and the background and Ultimately, that we may uh, begin our verse-by-verse study of this incredible, strong, hard book. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that if your Holy Spirit's going to convict us, and that's what the book of James does, it it brings us to a place of repentance. It brings us to a place where we're convicted as believers in Christ and how to put our faith into practice. Let it be so. We want to look more and more like Jesus Christ, less of us and more of you. So, Lord, speak to us as we begin this journey. We ask your Holy Spirit to be here with us, to be our teacher. So open up our 
ears to hear, our eyes to see, our minds to understand, our heart ready to receive a word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, let us read James chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to the end of verse 1. Yes. Hopefully we'll complete this. <laughs> so we're going to look at uh, verse 1, um, and we're going to look at the background. So let's read verse 1. The writer, it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. Before we begin our study, as we always do before we begin a book, we like to look, give a little introduction and look at the background because I think the more we understand the background, the better we understand the book. And so we need to know the who, what, when, where, why of this letter. And so for those of you who are taking notes, we're going to look at a few things. We're going to look at the author of the book. We're going to look at the recipients of the book. We're going to look at the date and the date that it was written. We're going to look at the purpose or the reason why this letter was written. We're going to look at the theme of this book. Every book has a theme. And we're going to look at key Bible verses will help us understand the theme and the reason for the book of James. Now, there are 66 books in the Bible, 66 books. We have the Old Testament, which is called the Tanakh, uh, from Genesis all the way to the New Covenant through the book of Revelation. 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, all written by 40 authors from different backgrounds, don't know each other, uh, from, from shepherds to kings and some prophets, um, and they, it was written in a span of 1,500 years. And so when we study the scriptures, I don't know about you, but those of you who have studied the word for some time, you'll find as we read the scriptures cover to cover, you'll notice that there is, as I don't know if you know who Chuck Missler is, but I recommend you get his material. He's with the Lord now. But he would say that it has a highly integrated message system. And that is the truth because it points to and speaks of the Messiah, Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelation, and this is why we study the Word of God here, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. It is so important, okay, and because that's, in fact, that's how they taught the Bible. When That's how they taught the scriptures. They read the whole book, and obviously, if, if it's, they, they couldn't read it throughout the whole day, but they'll carry on the next day, and so... For example, in the book of Acts, we find that the Apostle Paul, when he gathered the elders in of the churches in Ephesus, he said to them in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, he says, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God, the whole counsel of God. And so here Paul's saying, I taught you the whole word. Obviously, most of it was the Old Testament, pointing to the Messiah, showing that Jesus Christ fulfilled over 300 messianic prophecies. And so he taught the whole counsel of God, and he, he also wrote two-thirds in the New Testament. And so, but he, when he taught the word of God, he did not give it in bits and pieces, as we do today, and most of us study. He didn't give little sermonettes, nor did he give topical series. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you're going to learn the Bible, it's good to read it in context. Read it from beginning to end to get the whole theme of the letter. Paul definitely did not teach 
a 10 step to a better you message, okay? That's for sure he did not. So Paul gave them the whole counsel of the word of God in its entirety because the word of God was given to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit in its entirety. And though there are chapter and verse breaks in your Bible, the Bible was not written in chapter and verse breaks. We're grateful that the translators actually did that for us because try to find a passage in the book of Isaiah. That's going to be difficult, okay? And so uh, it's not a surprise why there are so many false teachers and preachers giving false teachings and false doctrines it's because they don't read the Bible completely and study it completely and teach it in- entirely as Paul tells us as we study here. And you can take a verse or two here, take it out of context and make it fit to some motivational feel-good message, and that's usually what's in the churches today. It's all a feel-good message. You know, I don't know about you, but I love the truth, even if the truth hurts. Even if it hurts, right? There is a proverb that says, wounds from a friend are better than a kiss from an enemy. I want to know the truth, in love, of course. And let me tell you something, the book of James is going to do that. So I, I hope you have your knee pads, your elbow pads, and your helmet ready. Because James is a real tough book, but we need to read and study the whole counsel of the Word of God. That is why we here study it verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It was given to us as a whole. If somebody wrote you a letter, and they wrote you a letter, it says, dear, whatever your name is, right? You don't read the beginning and then say, read the PS or the last paragraph, right? You need to read the whole thing. Why is it that the Bible is the only book in the world that people tend to take bits and pieces of it? People read Shakespeare. They read the whole book. They know the whole story. Nobody takes Shakespeare by bits and pieces. Yeah, they may quote a line here and there, but you have to understand the whole story. And so the Bible was written in bits and pieces. It wasn't given to us in bits and pieces, so that's why we study the whole counsel of the Word of God. And so... With that said, let's look at the background. Let's look at the who. The author, who wrote the book of James? Well, it's in big, bold letters there in your Bible. It says James, chapter 1, verse 1. It begins with James. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. However, it was actually Jacob who wrote this book. Jacob. What? Jacob? Yeah, Jacob. The name James is based on the Greek transliteration of the name Yaakov or Yaakov in Hebrew. So it is really Jacob. Okay. When we get the names uh, Jacob, Jake or James, they all come from the same root word. And it is uncertain as to why the translators of the New King James wrote Put James there. Could it be that King James wanted his name there in the Greek? We don't know. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, it was King James who authorized the English translation of the Bible, did a great job. He actually had 47 scholars who were highly skilled in the ancient language. 47 scholars. And he was able to translate the Bible into the English language. It took him a lot of flack, but he did it anyway. I read, if you notice here, we read the New King James Version. The difference between the King James Version and the New King James is that the new eliminates the thou and thus. We don't talk thou and thus here, do we? It just eliminates that. And so, but King James was the one who began the translation in 1603. 
three, and it was completed in 1611, so it took that long to actually have the Bible in English. But that shouldn't be a problem for us, though, right? Because in reality, we mentioned the name Jesus. That's the Greek word. What is his real name in the Hebrew? Yeshua, right? So actually, we, the Bible is filled with Jesus' name in the Greek, but it's really Yeshua, okay? It was a funny story. Um, when Judy and I got married, uh, my name, my real name is Edward, okay? And the minister who was officiating the marriage between Judy and I, now Judy knows I don't like the name Eduardo because that's, that is not my name, Eduardo, okay? But... Uh, the priest was, you know, Spanish, you know, and so he mentioned my name and he said, Eduardo. Now, I didn't catch that because I was so in love with my wife. <laughs> I just wanted to hear her say yes. But when she heard him say Eduardo, she started to laugh. And I didn't know why she was laughing because I was in love. And I said, you're not going to say yes. You're laughing. Is this a laughing matter? And then I found out later, she says, I do. And then and I said, okay. And she says, you know, what were you laughing? Oh, he said Eduardo, and you don't like Eduardo. So, <laughs> But anyway, my name is not Eduardo. It's Edward, okay? Uh, and so anyway, it shouldn't be a problem. We have no problem saying Jesus when his real name is Yeshua. Be that as it may, uh, whether... It is the Hebrew name Jacob or the Greek name James. We know ultimately that the author of the book and every book in the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Well, there's many reasons, but here's what the Word of God says. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that every man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And if you do study the Word, you know that it's impossible for man to actually come up with this wisdom and knowledge and at the same time be in harmony with all the books in the Bible. So the book of James was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So James was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter. Now, with that said, there are five James in the New Testament. Five James. Which James wrote this letter, this James, this book? Well, you first have James, the brother of John. John and James were the sons of Zebedee. You find that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 21. Then you have James, the son of Alphaeus. You'll find he's one of the twelve. And that's in Matthew chapter 10, verse 3. You have James, the father of the disciple named Judas, but not Judas Iscariot, uh, the one who betrayed Christ. That's in Luke chapter 16, verse 6. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 6, verse 16. Then you have James the last. He is the son of Mary, not Mary, the mother of Jesus, another Mary, the other Mary that was at the cross with Mary. Um, and so that is the fourth James. However, the fifth James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ, and he is the James that is the author of this book. So out of the five James mentioned in the New Testament, it is James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. With that said, a little side note that raises the question. If Jesus have had half-brothers, 
Does that mean that as the Roman Catholic Church would teach that Mary was a perpetual virgin? Uh, actually, it just really goes against that because we find in the Gospels that Jesus, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, after she had Jesus, gave birth to him while she was a virgin, she had other sons and daughters from Joseph. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 to 56. This is what it says. And when Jesus went into his country in Nazareth, uh, they were amazed. He went to his own town. They were amazed at the wisdom and knowledge he had and, and the miracles that he has performed. And they said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55 to 56, they said, is this not the carpenter's son, speaking of Jesus? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother James, Joses, Simon, and Judas, not Judas Iscariot, and his sisters, are they not all with us? So Jesus had had brothers and sisters. You know, understand that Mary was a godly woman. And, you know, it is say, blessed Mary above women, blessed Mary among women. And so they tend to make Mary to be a god and to say that she wasn't. You know, she was a perpetual virgin. But... This fulfilled the prophecy spoken of in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that the virgin will give birth to a child, and his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. And so that's that. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, I think it's, it's good to know who this James is. We, we, we kind of, process of elimination, we know this is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Let's look a little bit about who this James is based on Scripture. I mean, we can only uh, look at Scripture and find who this James is. And, and that's the good thing about the Scriptures. It'll tell you who this James is. And so first thing, we're going to look at seven things of this James. James, the half-brother of Jesus. Seven, we're going to look at seven things in, of, of his life. Number one, he was an unbeliever. He was an unbeliever. During Jesus' ministry, James did not believe and follow Jesus. Well, he was his brother, right? Jesus had a prophet not accept in his own home, okay? Um, it's amazing. I always kind of bother Judy and my girls, and I'll say, well, you know, it's amazing. You know, I shed wisdom to the congregation, but somehow when I speak at home, it's like, okay, it's challenged. <laughs> but, you know, who knows what the upbringing was with Jesus and his brothers, but James did not follow and believe in Christ. As a matter of fact, there was a time where James and his brothers, uh, you know, and the other brothers uh, kind of really sort of tease and mock Jesus. And you find that in John chapter 7, verses 3 to 5. It's, this is what they were saying to Jesus. It says, His brothers therefore said to him, Jesus, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Verse 5, For even his brothers did not believe in him. Uh, what they were trying to say is they knew at this time in Jesus' ministry, uh, Jesus had already done a lot of miracles. And at, they were looking for Jesus, that is. They wanted to kill him. They already planned to kill him. They were looking for him. So his brother said, hey, it's like they knew they were looking for Jesus to kill him. Say, why don't you just go? Show yourself. Go. Go to Judea. Go ahead. Um, they were mocking him. And since James is the oldest of all his half-brothers and sisters, we can be assured that he did most of the talking here, okay? Uh, usually that's how it goes. Can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? You know, he witnessed the life. Oh, he's the golden child. 
You know, he's, you know, he's, he was born miraculously. You know, he's so special. He is the Christ, the son of God. I'm pretty sure he heard it over and over again. Like James, James, why can't you be like your brother Jesus? <laughs> Can you imagine? All these brothers, you know, why can't you be like your brother Jesus? I mean, that's a tall order to have. Well, so that's the first thing. We knew that he was an unbeliever, but number two, James subsequently became a believer and follower of Christ. And that took place after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that James began to believe. And so Christ rose from the grave, and now at that time, Paul tells us in Corinthians that he appeared to over 500 people. We're talking about the resurrected Christ. We find in, in the book of Acts chapter 1 that Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection before he ascended to heaven to be with the Father. And so can you imagine? He rose from the grave. Many people saw him, and he was in, on earth, the resurrected Christ, before he was glorified, the resurrected Christ, 40 days on earth. But he appeared to James. We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 7. And Paul writes this, But I delivered to you first of all, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains to be present. But... Some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And it is this James. So James was an unbeliever. He became a believer. And number three, James was present at the birth of the church in the day of Pentecost. We find that in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, these all continue in one accord in prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, all of them, including James. So all the brothers. So he was there. He was an unbeliever. He became a believer. He was there. You know, after those 40 days, he met Jesus, his brother. He says, oh, brother, I'm sorry. And now he's, he's waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He was there the day of Pentecost. And number four, he was a servant. James was a servant. Look at verse 1 again of chapter 1. It says, James a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was an unbeliever, a believer. He was there at the church, and now he's a servant. He goes on, and from being a servant, he made his way up, not him, but the Lord moved him up to be an apostle. That's number five. James became an apostle. That's the fifth thing we're looking at. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, Paul says, Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and remain with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So he didn't see the other apostles, but James became an apostle. Have you asked God to help you? As I grew up, this was a common phrase used in conjunction with numerous situations, from lost items to important decisions to doing what was right in a difficult moment. It reminds me of the verse in James 1.5 that talks about asking God when you just don't know what to do. Also in verse 12, where James reminds Christians that the promise of heaven hinges not only on accepting the gift of salvation, but also standing firm in what you believe while resisting sin. Having faith in God is the stepping stone to real humility, love, patience, and growth. 
Are you feeling stagnant in your relationship with God? Do you need someone in your corner? If so, here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. Just for you folks that aren't close and any who are interested, visit runningtheraceradio.com to not miss out on the many great ministry opportunities of Calvary Chapel of Milford. Our time has come to an end, but thank you so much for joining us today on this broadcast of Running the Race.